So you've watched movies and TV shows where there is a bomb that they have to defuse, right? Or there's like a doomsday machine that has a countdown and they have to stop it, right? You've seen those, those shows like over and over and over again. Now, when they have to defuse it, when they have to stop the countdown, what number does the countdown stop at? Does it stop at five minutes? Whew. <laughs> nice little cushion. There's three minutes, two minutes. What, you have a whole 30 seconds, right? Which is a long time in TV time. No, what, when does the countdown stop when the heroes obviously defuse the bomb or stop the countdown? When does it stop? One second, right? <laughs> it always stops at the last possible second. And as they're aware of this because they use this trope all the time in TV. So once in a while, they'll, be, they'll stop it at like two seconds or three. You know, oh, we're not like them. No, it's the same trope, right? It's always at the last possible second that they stop it. Well, if you've been following Christ for any amount of time, I don't know about you, but it feels like to me, sometimes the way God works with me it's, it's like that tired old trope of the countdown stopping at the last minute. He comes through for me at the absolute last possible second, right? Which increases stress, which makes life more difficult, right? It's like, Lord, you could have, you could have given me this money three months ago, right? <laughs> you could have provided me with a job, you know, in between jobs. Uh, that would have been helpful. You could have provided for me financially. You could have provided for me relationally. Why did you have to wait until the last minute to come through to me? It's really hard. Why does God sometimes wait to give us what we need when we're desperate? Why does He do that? <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't know about you, but it annoys me. <laughs> and I get frustrated. What we're going to see here is in Exodus, as you guys know, up until this point, God has delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt. And he did so miraculously. He parted the Red Sea. They walked through on dry ground. He closed the Red Sea back over on top of the following Egyptian army. And he delivered them. And as we understand uh, also from later in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, this was God making a new people for himself. And so this is, this is like the first moment that Israel is, is true. I mean, they were his before, but they are truly, truly his now. And they know that they belong to him. And these are kind of their first moments walking as God's people. And what we see here is, is three stories. They're very similar stories. We're going to look and we're going to bounce between each three of these stories. But they're very similar stories. But I think what's happening here is all for the same reason. Uh, in chapter 15, verse 22, read along with me in your Bibles. It says, Then Moses led Israel on from the Red Sea, and they went out to the wilderness of Shur. They journeyed for three days in the wilderness without finding water. They came to Marah, but they could not drink the water at Marah because it was bitter. That is why it was named Marah, which in Hebrew means bitter. The people grumbled to Moses, What are we going to drink? Okay, this is, this is a legitimate grumble, right? They go for like three days without finding water. So, so they had stores and they've, they've drained all their canteens. They don't have any more water. This is a problem. It's a huge problem. You need water. In fact, you can't really last more than three days without water. And if you go three days without water, it's, it's a serious problem. So they grumble against Moses, God's representative. We need water. Why can't we find water? You guys know how important water is, right? I know a few years ago at our previous church location, I uh, went to go flush the toilet, nothing's working, uh, the well went out. So we were without water there for, I don't know, it was like three or four days, right? That wasn't fun. Then it was like, you know, we were like 
doing shifts of like who's going to go to Burger King to go use the restrooms kind of thing while we're at the office. It's not good. You guys know what happens up here, most of us. What happens when the power goes out? Water goes with it. Unless you're on city water, right? Uh, that My wife is from the city. I was from upstate. And so I remember one time when the power's out, I'm like, oh, no, no water. She's like, what do you mean? They're, what do you mean the water goes out when the power's out? That's not how it works. Well, it does if you're on a well, right? And I remember, and by I remember, because that made it sound like it was a thousand years ago, uh, two months ago, when Samuel came home from the hospital, we had him home for a whole day, and then the next day, the power went out. <laughs> How fun is that with a baby? You know, it's like, oh man, yeah, I know, it was horrible. Um, oh, you need water. You absolutely need water. There are places in the world, and we know because we've helped out with wells, where people have to, to travel for two miles on foot to go get water. Why doesn't God just provide for them what they need right now? Why didn't he give it to them three days ago? Why does God wait until the last possible minute to give us our needs? Why does he wait until we're desperate? Well, that's one story. Let's jump over to chapter 16, verse 1. Here's another story. The entire Israelite community departed from Elam and came to the wilderness of Sin, which is it's just the name of it. It's not really. There's no thematical, like, the wilderness of sin. This is where the teens go to party. No. Uh, <laughs> it's just, just the name of the place. Which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had left the land of Egypt, the entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, you brought us into the wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. Okay, so now like the grumblings has increased here, right? And they're not only saying that, they're like, we wish God killed us while we were slaves in Egypt, right? And they, I mean, we often forget how bad things are. I mean, th these, were, these were enslaved people whose children were murdered by the Egyptians. And they're saying it would have been better if we died because at least, at least we would have been full with meat and bread. It would have been a great meal and then God just killed us. It would have been better than wandering around here without food. So why is God doing this? Like, it doesn't make sense. Why didn't God just, just give them food before, you know, it, it comes to all this? And you can hear how angry they are, right? When's the last time you were angry with God? I know, many good Christians, although I've been doing this for 10 years, I hopefully have broken you of this, this false belief that good Christians don't get angry with God, right? Believers get angry with God. Read through the Psalms. You'll find a lot of angry Psalms there. Man, David, a man after God's own heart, angry at God, right? When's the last time you were angry at God? And really furious with him. I, I've been furious with him. I remember a number of years ago, we had this family friend. And uh, she was in an abusive marriage. And by the grace of God, she was able to get out of the abusive marriage. Thank God, right? It's over, right? No, it's not over. This dear believer in Christ, she would go to a church and her abusive ex-husband would find out what church she was going to he would go to the church, call up the church, make an appointment with the pastor, sit down with the pastor, and lie through his teeth about what she was going to do to him and his ministry, and she would get asked to not come back to that church. Over and over and over again. Finally, I, I remember getting on the phone and, and like doing what her ex-husband would do. I'm like, are you got to be kidding me? And I was so angry at this fact, and he didn't care. Her ex-husband was so good at lying that everyone believed her. 
here I am, just furious at God. God, why would you allow one of your children who's trying to follow you, right? Who's trying to go to church, and she can't, and she can't, and she can't. Why, why are you letting this happen? Why do you let this evil man do this? I was just so angry with God. I remember driving around the delivery vehicle I was in at the time and just yelling at God out loud while praying. These guys are angry. They're hungry. Food's a necessity. Why does God sometimes wait to give us what we need until we complain like this? Until the last possible second? He knows our needs beforehand. Why doesn't He give them to us? There's a third story. So we saw one about water. We saw one about food. Now we go back to another one about water. In chapter 17, verse 1, it says the entire Israelite community left the wilderness of sin, moving from one place to the next according to the Lord's command. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So the people complained to Moses, give us water to drink. Why are you complaining to me? Moses replied. Why, why, why are you testing the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you ever bring us from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? And Moses cries out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? In a little while, they'll stone me. Whew. They're pretty angry. I don't think Moses is being hyperbolic here. I, I think... He's about to be stoned. Remember, there's, there's tens of thousands. Scholars disagree. Maybe hundreds of thousands of people angry at Moses, God's representative, angry at God. And they're complaining. They're whining. They're screaming. But you know what's interesting? As I go through these three stories, which sound very similar, at least they're asking. Right? They're, they're, I mean, it's, is it an effective way to ask for anything? No but they're asking. Is it, is it a pleasant way? Is it the correct way? No, but they are asking. Instead, oftentimes, I know I do this all my, myself all the time, where I am kind of oh, passive-aggressive with God, where I think, like, I shouldn't have to tell you, God. You should just know. <laughs> right? And He does. God knows everything. right? So you know what I need. Why don't you just give it to me before I have to come asking you for it? Why do you have to wait until the last minute to supply for my needs? I don't get it. So I know I get very passive-aggressive with God. I know we often get very passive-aggressive with God. And we never actually went to Him in prayer and said, God, I need this. I need companionship. I need relationship. I need finances. I need this bill taken care of. I need transportation. I need a place to live. I need my basic necessities taken care of. And we're angry at God and we never even asked. At least they're asking. And you know what? kind of what the way they're asking these three stories reminds me of? And it reminds me of this because I'm living it now. It's kind of the way that infants ask for things. Right? How do infants ask for things? Hello. <clears throat> Hello, I'm over here. Right? No, they scream. Like they cry. And it's the absolute worst thing. My, my nephew was saying, I was reading recently, that one of the worst sounds a human being can ever hear is a baby screaming. Right? And I'm testifying that that is absolutely true. Look, babies... They only cry when they need something. And uh, we all know, it's a common bit of knowledge, they only cry for four reasons. They need food, they need to be changed, they need to be held, and they need to ruin your life. 
That was us last night and the night before, if memory serves correct. I don't know what day it is today. I assume it's Sunday because I'm preaching and you're here. Uh, But that's how Israel's asking. I mean, again, it's not the best way, but at least they're asking. What I think is happening here is this is Israel's new people, right? Or this is God's new people, Israel. They're learning what it's to be in relationship with Him just like little children are learning how to ask for things. Learning to ask. I know. Learning how to ask over and over and over again. So what's going on? Let's jump back. Let's see how God deals with the water problem. Verse 16. Oh, excuse me. Chapter 15, verse 16. I know we're jumping around. So remember, this is the first place. The water's too bitter. Moses cried out to the Lord, and Yahweh showed him a tree. When he threw it into the water, the water became drinkable. The Lord made a statute and ordinance for them at Marah, and he tested them there. He said, if you will carefully obey Yahweh your God, do what is right in his sight, pay attention to his commands, and keep all of his statutes, I will not inflict any illnesses on you that I inflicted on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they left Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 date palms, and they camped there by the water. Okay, so that's kind of weird. It's like really weird what, what Moses does what God tells Moses to do. Hey, chop this particular tree down, throw it into the water, and then the water will be good to drink, right? This isn't a science book. This was a miracle, okay? So it's not saying this is what you should do if you have well problems uh, in your own life. This was a miracle, but it was a weird miracle. Like, it really was. Um, Have you ever had a strange answer to prayer? Like, really weird. Like, sometimes God answers prayers like really weird. Uh, So... An example of this, I've never shared this story publicly, uh, but a number of years ago, when we moved from our old location to this location, the church received a bill from the previous owner that was out of nowhere, and there was severe disagreement within our leadership of like, do we even owe this bill? Should we even pay it? I mean, it's just so, and it was a lot of money. It was hundreds of dollars, a few thousand dollars. It's like, and we just moved, right? And everyone who's moved knows that moving is expensive. So it's like, do we want to spend this money that we could be doing for ministry and reaching out? Ah, you know. So eventually we finally said, okay, we're, you know. Some of us thought we owed it, some of us didn't. Well, we, we're gonna pay it just to be done with you. You know, we're done. And we did that. And now we're down uh, you know, a few thousand dollars. And that was frustrating. Not long after that, uh, I have a friend, and uh, she is a um, she's an author, and I produced her on my oh, I produced her on my podcast, the Untold Podcast. Um, but she's a phenomenal author, and she's married to the co-creator of Suicide Squad, the comic book. And they had gotten some residuals from the first movie, and she said, the Lord is telling me that I want to bless your congregation. And like sent us a check for several hundred, a few thousand dollars, a couple thousand dollars. It was like, what? I mean, come on, that's weird. This church was able to build some wheelchair ramps from the Suicide Squad movie, the first one. Is that weird? Does anyone else find that like, like that is really weird. Like so weird, I, I was like, I don't know if I should even share this story, it's weird. Um, but we were, we were able to, to bless our neighbors uh, because, because the, I, God just answered our prayers in a very weird way. That's what happens here. Chop up the tree, throw it in. What's God doing? What's he trying, what's... What's he trying to, to, to do with Israel here? Why does God sometimes wait until the last minute 
to give us what we need. Well, let's jump back over to the other water story because I like themes. Uh, In chapter 17, verse 5, it says, The Lord answered Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take the staff you struck the Nile with in your hand and go. I am going to stand there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. When you hit the rock, water will come out of it and the people will drink. Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. He named the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites complained and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? So this is another like incredible miracle, but it's different. This one isn't strange. This one's like cool. He goes, he takes the elders. So there's like probably a good chunk of people, maybe, maybe like a hundred, maybe more, probably more. He takes it and they go to a rock. Now, I know in my mind, I used to picture it, you know, it's like a big boulder like this big. That can't possibly be because there's tens if not hundreds of thousands of people that they're they're trying to supply. So I imagine maybe it was like a rock the size of this building and Moses, in the name of the Lord their God, strikes it and the thing bursts open and the whole front property is flooded with water. Like, it's just incredible. Wow! Wow, God gave fresh water, just boom, just an incredible visual. Sometimes God answers our prayers through very visible, miraculous miracles, right? Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen any in your life or have experienced them. I know for us, uh, just reflecting our our life, probably the biggest one is the fact that we were able to adopt my daughter. I, if you know the story, I mean, that it was just not going to happen. And there was so much prayer and so much anguish and so much agony and years of, like, honestly, I feel traumatized by the whole process. And I'm not, I'm not making a joke. I really do. I still, it's years later. I don't know how many years later. Nine years later. I'm still like, right? It's so hard. And it was so difficult. And God could have been like, okay, we're going to do this right here. But man, it was miraculous how we were able to adopt her. Because there was a court system that didn't want, to, want it to happen. Everything was against us. Everything was against her. And as I've lived more up here, I see even more how miraculous it was that we were able to adopt her as we've seen the courts made mistake after mistake after mistake. That's visible. If you want to know if there's a God in heaven, you can go see that little girl run up and give me a hug after church service. There's your evidence right there. That's a miracle. So sometimes he does big, I mean, sometimes he heals people. Wow, what happened? It's incredible. Sometimes he heals people. Sometimes uh, he answers it differently. So let's uh, jump back to the, bre- the, uh, the food situation. They don't have any food when they're in the wilderness of sin. sin, sin, sin. Sorry. So they say, hey, the whole assembly is going to die of hunger. Chapter 16, verse 4. Then Yahweh said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you. He didn't say that like a rapper. <laughs> Make it rain! Ellen! Oh my gosh! <laughs> I didn't know you were going to be here. <laughs> we're a small church. You can't see- sneak in. <laughs> it's so good to see you. So, so Yahweh said, to, I forgot my joke. I'm going to make it rain bread from heaven. So it wasn't like a rapper. Make it rain! Right? Like, okay, it was a really bad joke. Um, from heaven for you, the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. This way I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, I will, it will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. 
So, yeah, this is really weird. God says, I'm going to give you, I'm going to make it rain bread, and you're going to pick it up off the ground, right? I mean, if you go outside today on the playground and you see like goldfish on the ground, you're not like, cool, snacks, right? Like, no one's picking that up and eating. But he's like, I'm going to give you ground bread, right? Enjoy your ground bread. <laughs> and they're excited about it because they haven't eaten anything in a while, right? If you're starving for like three or four days and then you see the goldfish out there, you're like, cool, you know? <laughs> I'm going to eat the goldfish off there, the ground bread. Um, but what's God doing here? He specifically says what he's doing. And I think this is the reason that he did this in all three of these stories, both of the water stories and this hunger story. He says, I'm going to test them. And this isn't a test like we often think of tests, like, <gasps> you're, you know, I'm going to lose. It's a test of strength, and I didn't quite make it. I'm a failure. Um, it's a test like a good teacher gives for a good reason. It's to train you. It's to hone you. It's to teach you something. And God very specifically here is saying, I want to teach them that they can trust me for tomorrow if I provide for them today. I'm not telling them what I'm necessarily going to do for them tomorrow, but I'm going to tell them what I'm doing for them today. And if they can trust me for today, then they can trust me tomorrow. And if they can trust me for tomorrow, then they can trust me for the day after that and the day after that and the day after that. He says, verse 6, of chapter 16, so Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, this evening you will know that it was Yahweh who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the Lord's glory because he has heard your complaints about him. For who are we that you complain about us? Moses continued, remember, I think these complaints, I mean, think about it like babies. They cry. That's the only, like, and it's frustrating. It's hard. No one's like, yeah, I like baby crying music. Like nobody samples babies crying on their music albums. Right? No one's saying, hey, let's do a whole musical al album of babies crying. Right? And let's just play that. There's no sound. Like, it just doesn't happen. It's a horrifying sound because it's the only way they know how to ask. This is Israel, God's new people. It's the only way they know how to ask, but at least they're asking. For who are we that you complain about us? Verse 8, Moses continued, The Lord will give you meat to eat this evening and all the bread you want in the morning, for he has heard the complaints that you were raised about him. Who are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord. He has heard your complaints. As Aaron was speaking to the entire Israelite community, they turned toward the wilderness, and there in a cloud, the Lord's glory appeared. The Lord spoke to Moses, I have heard the complaints of Israel. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will eat bread until you are full. Then you will know that I am Yahweh your God. So at the evening, quail came and covered the camp. Just this one time. And then we have another quail thing in weeks ahead. In the morning, there was a layer of dew all around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, there were fine flakes on the desert surface, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they asked one another, what is it? It's ground bread, don't you know? you never seen ground bread before? Rub that dirt in it, it's good for you. Because they didn't know what it was. Moses told them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what Yahweh has commanded. Gather as much of it as each person needs to eat. You, will make, you may take two quarts per individual according to the number of people each of you has in his tent. So the Israelites did this. Some gathered a lot, some a little. When they measured it in quarts, the people who gathered a lot had no surplus, and the people who gathered a little had no shortage. Each gathered 
as much as he needed to eat. Why does God sometimes wait to give us what we need? He waits to give us what we need until the last minute sometimes so that we learn to trust to supply our needs. We learn to trust Him to supply our needs. Over and over and over, He's saying, I want you to trust Me. We know in the New Testament it says, without faith it's impossible to please God. That's what God wants more than anything else from you. He wants you to trust Him. He wants your trust. That's the kind of relationship He desires to have with you is trust. And so often, it's so hard, it's so frustrating, it's so difficult, and we feel like Israel, and we want to complain, and we do complain because we are just like Israel. And God says, this is all I want. I want a relationship with you, and I want to teach you that you can trust me. You can trust me to supply your needs. And so we see some people didn't really trust. They're like, oh, ground bread. This is, I, I got to gather this up. The ground bread might not be here tomorrow. Right? And we see in verse 19, Moses said to him, no one is to let any remain until morning. But they didn't listen to Moses. Right? And understandable, right? Because you're like, I got to get some for me too. I got to get some for tomorrow because maybe, maybe God won't come through on his ground bread promise. Which, by the way, they haven't named this bread yet. That's why I'm calling it ground bread. Some people left, it, left part of it until the morning and it bred worms and stank. Therefore, Moses was angry with them, right? I don't know. It doesn't say why he was angry. Maybe for their lack of faith. Maybe for their lack of trust. If it was me, I, I just every so often the kids like, hey guys, clean out your stuff. They'll leave like a chicken nugget or something in the car. And then if I don't use that particular car the next day and I go in another day, it stinks. And I am angry because it stinks. I'm, I'm more angry that, they, they, that it stinks than that they didn't listen to me. <laughs> That's just me. So say they, they, they said, hey, we can trust him today. We don't know if we can trust him tomorrow. And it ruined the whole thing. And verse 21, they gathered it every morning. And then what we see here is God says on the sixth day, gather double. You're one day out of the week, you can gather double because I'm going to give you a day off. Now see, that's like, man, God is so good, right? Like, I can't imagine gathering ground bread is all that much work to begin with, but, but that's what they're doing. And he says, I'm going to give you a day off from it. So gather twice on the sixth day and you will be good. You're good to go after that. Uh, you have a day of rest. God gives us rest. Rest is a wonderful thing. I love rest. I don't know what that is for the last what, two months and five days. Um, <laughs> but rest is good. and go Actually, you know what? I, like, that was a joke. That was a stupid joke. But you know what? One of the nice things, I mean, I am so unproductive now because the kid's up all the time but I never get to watch TV ever. I mean, I've watched all of like an entire series of Star Trek. I'm starting to watch the Star Trek movies because like I am, I'm stuck with this kid who demands that he be held or see screams, right? So, so even in my exhaustion, even though I'm up at three in the morning, I, God's still giving me a rest that I haven't had. I'm like, hey, you, wanna watch, you haven't watched TV in a few years? Enjoy. Get caught up on that Star Trek series you didn't have a chance to watch for 20 years. Go for it, enjoy. So even though I made a stupid joke about that, God still gives me rest in the midst of it. Verse 31, the house of Israel named the substance manna. It resembled coriander seed, which was white and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Two quarts of it are to be preserved throughout your generations so that you may see the bread I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Moses told Aaron, take a container and put two quarts of manna in it. 
Then place it before the Lord to be preserved throughout our generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron placed it before the testimony be preserved. So what's interesting that's happened here, you're like, wait a minute, before the testimony, that doesn't make sense. They just got into the desert. This narrative all of a sudden rockets way forward into the future, like 40 years into the future when they're about to enter the promised land. And they've already built the tabernacle, which is where God's glory dwells and where they worship God. And it rockets forward. He says, you're going to place this preserved manna in the testimony uh, so that, that all generations can know that God is here. Verse 35, the Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they reached the border of the land of Canaan. So God, over and over and over again, three times, he tells the same story. It's the same story. He says sometimes he waits until the last minute because he is teaching us that we can trust him. And if we can trust him for today, we can trust him for tomorrow. And the day after that, and the day after that. Sometimes, not all the time, thankfully, because I couldn't handle the stress of it, <laughs> but sometimes in our lives, in your life, God waits to give you what you need until the last minute or until you ask, or until you complain. But sometimes he waits so that you and I will learn to trust him for our needs, for all of our needs. I mean, you think about Israel. He provided for their physical needs, their food and water as they went through the desert. But as they're about to go into the promised land, and it's a land that is plentiful, they're not going to have to rely on God anymore. They can just go out and, and get what they need. But, but eventually, they're going to have to rely on him for other things too. Things that are not as uh, basic as food and water, but, but other things that are equally important. Security, relationship, community, homes, families, finances or, or provisions. Just like us. Um, if you guys have your bulletins at home, this isn't on your one at, uh, online, I'm sorry. Um, more than willing to send it to you if you send me a private message. Um, on the back of your bulletin, uh, we put every week where our year-to-date offerings are. Um, and so we've you know, had some good uh, offerings received year-to-date, but you can see uh, where we're at. It says under facts and figures, 2022 budget offerings year-to-date below budget. We are $5,836 behind budget. That hurts. That hurts. Um, the other thing is, uh, a couple weeks ago, Chelsea was wherever you there you are was going around asking people, "Hey, you guys want to help us out with VBS? You want to do us with VBS?" And and that was kind of our that was our our test. That was to say, "Hey, if there's interest," we said, "If there are ten people who say yes, I will help out with VBS, then we will proceed forward. If we can't find ten people who say yeah, I'll help out with VBS, then God's not in it and His people isn't in it either, right? How many? Twenty four people were enthusiastic about about VBS. Stop clapping. We have a $5,836.44 deficit. Do you know how much VBS cost last time we did it and how much we budgeted for it? Not that that matters because the budget don't matter anymore with that much of a deficit. You know how much we budgeted for? $1,800. That's how much it costs. So we're over here, you know, praying, God, what about our needs? Um, and look, I, this... You know me. I'm not shaming anyone. I'm not here saying, oh, you're not giving enough. Ugh. I want joyful givers. 
right? Give as the Lord leads you to. It's between you, God, and the IRS. Um, I, 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 like, I absolutely never want to use guilt to try and get more money. The reason I'm telling you this is because uh, we have seen since November our, our uh, offering has been really low. And so your office staff and leadership have been incredibly thrifty and trying to not spend money and uh, to go without. And uh, some things that we actually kind of need, we're like, nope, we're not going to get that right now because we're trying to, to save money. And because of that, as of the end of March, um, well, we're, we're, our, the money we actually have spent is less than the offering numbers we've brought in. Right? So we have a surplus, a little bit of a surplus. You want to guess about how much that surplus is? Bruce knows. About $1,800. <laughs> us. Jesus told us, give us this day our daily bread, right? Now, look, I'm not comfortable living in that space. <laughs> we have other things we're trying to do as well in the community, but, but I can't help. We had a meeting with the trustees, and we're looking at these, these numbers, and it's like, okay, well, God's in this. And this is the text we're preaching this week. I didn't tell them that. Maybe I did. I don't remember. Did I say this? I, no. Okay. I wanted to be surprised. Um, but I was thinking, this is the text we're preaching from. God is saying over and over and over again, if you can trust me for today, you can trust me for tomorrow. And so the entire trustee team says, yeah, we feel good about where we are financially. Right? It'd be better if we had a buffer. It would be better if we could save some money. It would be better if we... But, but God has provided us for today and for tomorrow. We don't know down the way, but he's provided and he's provided for you in your personal lives as well. Now, I know some of you might be objecting right now to this text and you're saying, wait a minute, you know what, look, there are plenty of stories of people starving and dying. There are plenty of stories of people uh, being impoverished and living homeless. Look, I, I don't have an answer for that. I really don't. I, I, I don't know. All I can say is that's their story and I don't know what God's doing with them. I really don't. I can tell you definitively that, that God is good and he has wronged no one. But I don't, that's their story, and I don't know. I don't know what's happening. But what I can tell you is that I know my story. And even though I've had disappointments in life and things that I would have liked to have done that God didn't come through for, God has not failed to supply my needs. And you know what? Just by virtue of you guys sitting here, I know that God has supplied for your needs as well. I mean, we not, might not be comfortable. We might not be where we want to be in life, but you are here and you are alive. God has supplied you for your needs. He's promised to do that if you belong to Him. I know your story. You're here. And by the way, this church, if you're here and you're like, well, you know, I don't know where I'm going to get my next meal. I don't know about food. This church will take care of you. Let us know. If, you, if you're struggling to, to put groceries on the table, let, let me know after service. We'll take care of you today. Okay? Um. Jesus said this. Go ahead and put this up here, Drayton, from uh, Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, 
Won't he do much more for you? You have little faith. You have little trust. That's, that's the issue. It's trust. So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Follow after Jesus. Make, first of all, make sure you belong to him. Trust that Jesus died for your sins and rose again. Trust in him. When that happens, our sins are forgiven. We are reconciled to God. He calls us his son or daughter. You're his child. He's not going to let you go. He will provide for your needs. Yes, it is frustrating that he sometimes waits the last minute, and I think sometimes he waits the last minute. As Susie said right at the beginning of the service, it's so we will learn to trust him. We need to learn to trust him. I, need, I, I, I go through it, and I'm like, oh, God, why are you putting me through this? And I, really, I go to the scriptures, and it's like, oh, he's teaching me to trust him. But I've already learned that lesson, Lord. <laughs> But the fact that I'm complaining like Israel means that I hadn't. Sometimes God waits for you. He waits to give you your needs until you've asked Him so that you will learn to trust Him with all of your needs. Learn to ask. Let's pray. Father, as we are uh, continuing to worship you, I pray for us as a congregation. I pray at the bare minimum, we ask like Israel wandering in the desert asked with our complaints, with our screams, with our cries, like, like babies who don't know how to ask any other way. But I pray that as we walk with you and as we know you more, that you'll change our hearts and our minds and you'll help us to begin to ask you like, like older children. Hey, can I, have, can I have a snack? We begin to ask you like, like adults, like our, our elders who are wise and say, Father, I, I need this. Will you provide it for me so that I might glorify you? Whatever stage of life we find ourselves in, Father, I pray that we ask. I pray that we will cry out like the psalmist and we will ask in humility like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray for this congregation. If there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus, they don't know that they are a child of you, Father God. I pray that right now that they will believe that Jesus died on a cross for their sins and rose again. And that as they believe, as they trust, as they have that faith, you will change them and transform them. And as they come and ask anything in the name of Jesus, you will provide it for them. You'll provide for all of their needs and they will see it clearly that it comes from your hands and give you glory before people on earth. Father, I pray for those that are here that have needs right now. I pray that you will provide for them. I pray that they will see it comes from you. I pray that you will continue to feed and clothe us and give us water and give us shelter and good relationships and peace and joy and comfort in the midst of this dark and dying world. Help us to trust you. Help us to trust you for everything. Help us to trust you for today and for all the tomorrows after it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.